Turn your Bibles with me to Nehemiah chapter 1. Today I want us to uh, turn there in God's Word as we ask the Lord to speak to us. Today is one of the most historic days ever in the short history of New Hope Community Church. And I'll tell you several reasons why that's true. First of all, as a church plant, this is a huge day. I don't know if you realize this or not, but it, many, many churches get started and just don't make it. They just don't make it. They, they can't make it past the first few years, or maybe they you know, are able to reach a few people and then just things don't work out, or they're ne- never able to support themselves financially, or whatever it is. But I just want to tell you, as we sit here about 11 years in the New Hope Community Church, this is a huge milestone for us. But also, I want you to know, it's a, it's a big point uh, for our community. I don't know if you realize it or not, or maybe you're like me as you've reached out, as you've shared with people over the years. Uh, for many people, um, there are still people that know about New Hope Church that still aren't quite sure about us yet. And what do I mean by that? I don't know if you've invited people. I've invited people over the last 10 or 11 years, and I've had people to actually tell me, Robbie, I cannot come to your building on 400 Brook Lane. I said, well, why not? They said, well, you don't have a steeple on top. That's not a real church. <laughs> or, or, or you're renting. You're renting that building. And, and you know, that's not a, you don't have a real church building. Well, you know what? Uh, that may be something that as someone becomes a part of God's family, if someone grows, we want them to understand that the church is not a building. But for many people, initially, it's very difficult to come to a place that doesn't have a steeple or that's not necessarily a church building that we own. So there are many people, I know some people right now over the last few months, God's been bringing them back into my life. Some of the very first people that we met when we moved to Queensbury, God's been bringing them back into my life, and I've been saying to them, okay, you told me, you told me 10 years ago, just as soon as you get your own building, I'm coming. Well, guess what? It's going to be up at the end of this year, and I'm calling that in. Amen? I can tell you specifically about four or five people that I've known for 10 years who have been waiting to see, waiting to see if we were going to make it, if we were going to move forward, if we were going to get to this point. It's a huge step for those people. That's where they are spiritually, and that's what they need to see. For us, it's a huge sign of maturity to be able to say, you know what, God, We've, 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 for the last 10 or 11 years, a foundation's been laid. And that's, that's appropriate to talk about today because tomorrow, tomorrow, Lord willing, there's going to be a foundation dug right here where we're standing, okay? By the way, do you know you're in the foyer right now? Did you know? <laughs> All right, you're sitting on some people, so could you get out of the way so they can come in the door? <laughs> this is a huge step forward for us. It marks, I believe, like I've said to you all along, we don't need a building, okay? We could be in a tent. If we lived in California, if we lived in a more uh, arid environment, we, you could stay in a tent for years. You could stay in temporary locations for years. This is a big step for us to say, you know what? We believe that, that this building is symbolic, that God is moving us forward, that God wants us to have more impact in more people's lives. I believe that, do you? I believe it's symbolic of a growth in, in maturity, a growth in ministry, a growth in mission. I believe that's, that's part of what today is about. And as we think about that, I want to turn our Bibles to a very special passage to me. And I want to share it with you today, Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. Let me read these verses. Now, you know, um, um, there's some Hebrew words here. So I'm going to read them real fast, all right? <clears throat> the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hekelia. You say, wow, pastor, how do you know these words? I just say them 
real confidently, and it sounds like I know him, all right? The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hekeliah, now happened in the month Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in Susa, the capital, that Hanani, one of my brothers, and some men from Judah came. And I asked them, this is Nehemiah speaking, and I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped and had survived the captivity and about Jerusalem. And they said to me, the remnant there in the province who survived the captivity are in great distress and reproach. And the walls of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are burned with fire. When I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. And I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. I said, I beseech you, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who preserves the covenant and loving kindness for those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear now be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant, which I am praying before you now day and night on behalf of the sons of Israel, your servants. We're confessing the sins of the sons of Israel, which we have sinned against you. I and my father's house have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the ordinance, which you commanded your servant Moses. Remember the word which you commanded your servant Moses, saying, if you are faithful or if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, those of you who have been scattered, who have been scattered were in the remotest, though, though those of you who have been scattered were in the remotest part of the earth, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place where I've chosen to cause my name to dwell. Lord, they are your servants, Nehemiah says, and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. O oh Lord, I beseech you, may your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to revere your name and make your servant successful today and grant him compassion before this man. And then Nehemiah tells us what he's talking about here. He says, now I was the cupbearer to the king. Now for Nehemiah, it's kind of a long story, but basically, if you look back at history, uh, around uh, the 600s B.C., and some of you have read the story of Daniel, that's, that's during this time, around the 600s B.C., uh, Jerusalem and Solomon's temple were completely destroyed during that period, starting about 600 and finishing up around the 580s B.C., the Babylonian people plundered God's people and took them into captivity, only leaving a precious few people there in Jerusalem. Then the Medes and the Persians rose up, and if you read just before Nehemiah in the book of Ezra, God, we find out that God worked through the Medes and the Persians to allow his people to go back to Jerusalem and to, re, to rebuild the temple there in the Jerusalem, in Jerusalem, and to begin the process of starting over as God's people in that city. So by the time we get to Nehemiah, almost a hundred years has passed during that time. The temple has been rebuilt, though it was with much struggle, but things are still not in order among God's people. Now, how do we know that? Well, it says there, it says he heard word that the people there who have survived the captivity are in great distress and reproach, and the wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates are burned with fire. What that's basically saying is, if the walls were broken down, that was an ancient city's way of defending itself. Okay, so what it was saying is, we've done some work, but it's not secure, okay? It's very vulnerable. In fact, any enemy could come along and destroy it at any moment. It was very fragile. And when Nehemiah heard it, it affected him deeply. And that's what we're going to look at here in just another moment. This morning, 
You may not live in a faraway land like Nehemiah, but can I ask you a question? Have you heard what has happened to our people? Let me give you a little bit of a report. That's what happened with Nehemiah. That some of his relatives gave him a report of what was happening. Did you know that 60 to 80% of Americans do not attend church regularly? 60 would be conservative. 80% is probably closer to where it is. And in the area in which we live, it's probably closer to 80 or 90 plus percent of our neighbors, of our friends, of our community do not regularly attend church. Did you know that the United States of America is the third largest unreached country in the whole world? Did you know that? Did you know that seven, as far as we can tell, seven out of ten people in our great nation do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? That means seven out of ten people are not absolutely certain that, they're go that their sins have been forgiven and that they're, that they're going to heaven, a place called heaven, one day when they die. Did you know that actually in the area in which we live, it's probably even more than that. It's probably more like eight out of ten at least people do not have a personal relationship with Jesus. That's truly sad news, isn't it? But did you also know? Listen to me, friend. Did you know that our area used to be one of the strongest areas spiritually in all of the United States? Did you know that? Did you know that the state of New York used to be one of the strongest Bible-believing states in all the United States? Did you know that our very state was sending missionaries all over this new world to share with people, to share with the Indians and to share with the colonists about Jesus Christ? Did you know that their motto, our people here in New York, their motto was North America for Christ. Did you know that? In the 1700s and 1800s, did you know that our area was a key part? Has anybody ever heard of the First and Second Great Awakenings? Okay, many Christians for years have been praying for revival. We've been praying for God's work to sweep across our area. God, would you do again what you did in the past? But when they're talking about that, they're talking about, much of that is talking about the First and the Second Great Awakenings. In the 1700s, in the 1800s, those revivals happened, and did you know that our area was a huge part of that, and a huge part, listen friends, did you know that when we look at our founding fathers, when we look at our founding documents, and we see all the, the references to God, and to trusting in God, and divine providence, and seeking God, and calling upon Him, did you know that much of that was influenced by our great state having that impact through those great awakenings? The founding and establishment of the United States as a nation. In fact, did you know? Now listen to this. Especially in light of what I just shared. Seven to eight out of ten people that you meet at Aviation Mall. Seven to eight people out of every people that you see at a Glens Falls, at a hockey game at the, at the Civic Center. Okay, that's the situation today. But did you know at one time the area, the very area in which we lived was known as the burned over district? Okay, now what does that mean? The reason it was called the burned over district was because revival fire had so spread across our area and had so impacted so many people that that term came to mean there was no more fuel for the fire. 
Okay, that's kind of symbolic way of saying this. There were so many people who had come to know Christ, it was harder to find someone who didn't know the Lord than it was to find someone who did. In fact, most people, that's what that's saying, the burned over district means that the revivals, and we know that it still needed to work work across this here, but, the, but just the, the symbolically here, what they were saying is the revivals were so prevalent that so many people had come to know the Lord that there was almost no one else to lead to Christ. Wow. I want to ask you this morning, does that affect you when you hear it? Well, Nehemiah definitely had a response to his report. In verses 4 through 11, what did he do? Nehemiah, first of all, he, he was broken. When you hear that this morning, when you hear that many of the people in our communities, many of our neighbors, many of our friends, many of the people that we go to school, that we work with, when you hear that many of those people do not have a personal relationship with Jesus, but at one time, most of the people of our area knew the Lord, does that break your heart this morning? Does it bring you to your knees this morning? Does it make you say, dear God, help us this morning? That's exactly what Nehemiah did. He was broken. He cried out to the Lord. His first response, his reflex, his knee-jerk reaction, when Nehemiah heard this, his first response was to get on his knees and to cry out to God. Can I just share with you? That's why we've said, over the course of this building project, every Wednesday night, at least once a month during this whole building project, every first Wednesday of the night, we're going to gather together corporately as the body of Christ, and our first response is going to be what? It's going to be prayer, isn't it? God, we dare not try to do this. Hey guys, can I tell you a little bit of a secret? I'm scared. <laughs> I came out and walked this property Friday night with Drew and, and with Shannon. We were just kind of, you know, just 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 talking to the Lord, just thinking about what I'm like, oh my goodness. What are we getting ourselves into? Amen? This is a big piece of property. How are we going to pay for that? I mean, it's a lot of things. Amen? Without the Lord, I can do nothing. But through Christ, I can do all things. Amen? And it starts with prayer. That's what Nehemiah did. And friends, listen. Our prayer is not just, God, we need money. Our prayer is not just, Lord, we need good weather. God, it is, have mercy on us. What has happened? Amen? We have a spiritual heritage in our land, in the very state in which we live, of people, godly people who love the Lord, who sought Him, who walked with Him, who shared Him. God, what has gone wrong? Amen? And God, help us be a part of turning it around. God, we dare not do that without crying out to You. But then after saying that, after telling that to the Lord, He says, Lord, now I realize You've given me an opportunity to make a difference. Did you notice that in verse 11? After crying out to the Lord in that prayer, he says, O Lord, I beseech you, may your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to revere your name. All those people who, who want to do right, who want to serve you, Lord, will you listen to our prayer? But then he says in the, in the last part of verse 11, he says, and make your servant successful today and grant him compassion before this man. You know what happened? And by the way, friends, I think this is part of the reason that we battle with prayer. Because when I come to prayer, many times the first thing that changes is not the situation. The first thing that changes is who? We may not have identified that, but we need to identify that this morning. If we are going to be a people to seek God, 
we need to we need to listen to what Nehemiah uh, what happened in Nehemiah's heart. He knew that as he began to pray, God was beginning to speak to him. Do, do you catch what he's saying? Do you realize the cupbearer to the king was one of, if not the most influential servants in all the king's kingdom? Do you know why? Because the cupbearer would have given the king his drink, his cup. All right, and, and there were always people who were trying to. Uh, displace the king and that's to put it nicely right there were always people who were trying to take the king out and so he said okay i'm gonna have somebody you're gonna get a special assignment all right your special assignment is every time i drink something you're gonna check it for me you're gonna see if there's any poison in there and if you live after 15 minutes or so then i'm gonna think hey i can enjoy this drink all right so Nehemiah had to be one of, if not the most respected servants in all the king's kingdom. So what did that say to Nehemiah? The one man that I can see from a human perspective that God could work through to, to, to bring about what God is putting on my heart to help his people, that man I have influence in his life. And I'm willing to use it. I want to challenge you this morning. Are you asking God, what part am I to play? What influence can I have in God working to turn this thing around? I want you to know, church family, about 14 years ago, I think it was around 1997, God put the Northeast on my radar screen. Okay, in case you guys, uh, if we got any guests here today, I know I've lost my accent, but I'm not from around here originally. <laughs> and, and, and if you can understand today, you're just not, you know, just in your mind, you're not just planning to load up and move to New Mexico or, or to, you know, uh, uh, Texas or Minnesota. You know, if you're just not thinking about it, if you've never lived in those places, that's kind of where I was. I, was. I grew up in Georgia, North Carolina, and God began for some reason to put the Northeast in my heart. Then he specifically started speaking to me about New York. It was interesting. I would just be riding along. I'd be in town. And I'd stop by the library and I'd look up the history of New York. I'm like, what is going on with me? Why am I so interested in New York? I'd be, I don't recommend this. Don't try it at home. But I would be riding down the road in my car and I'd take out like an atlas of New York and I'd just be looking at that. Now, again, that's not very smart, kids. Okay, so don't do that. <laughs> But I was just, something was happening in my heart. This pastor came to our church from uh, Schenectady and he spoke about what God was doing in New York and, and God spoke to my heart and I brought our, our youth group to come work with some churches and, and over the period of time, God just began speaking to me as I heard the report about New York. God began to speak to my heart. Me and Shannon started praying. And we started investigating like we see Nehemiah do here in just a few verses. And we came to New York and just like Nehemiah, we started inviting people to join us in that work. And again, I want to say to you this morning, well done. Can I just say to you personally, thank you. Thank you for letting God use you. You are a part of a vision that God has. Amen? It's God's vision. You are a part of bringing that vision. Thank you for being a part of that so far. And here's my challenge. Would you just ask the Lord to speak to you? Is it possible that God is restoring the Northeast? 
Is it possible that God is restoring New York as a leader in the United States of America? And is it possible, we're certainly not the only ones serving God and seeking Him, uh, we see it from all angles, from the churches that we work with and from lots of other churches across this area, we see that something is happening in the Northeast. Amen? Have you noticed it? People who've lived here for years have said there's something happening in the Northeast. Is it possible? Is it possible that New Hope is supposed to be a part of that? What do you think? Hello, I don't even have to pray about it, amen? Absolutely. So what are you going to do about it? Here's my question for you this morning. Thank you for what God's done through us so far. But will you go with me the rest of the way? Will you do whatever it takes, church family? Will you work hard? Will you work together? Will you continue to give through this project? Will you paint until 11 o'clock at night if that's what it takes? Will we fight against the attacks of the enemy? Will we, church family? Will we say we recognize what's going on? We're not going to let the enemy divide us. We're not going to let him come between us. We're going to stay focused on the mission that God gave us to do. Amen? It is not complete by any means. Amen? Will you do that with me? And then once this project is over, excuse me for being so graphic, but will you wipe baby's bottoms one day in a nursery down over there? Will you teach kids in Awana? Will you mow grass if that's what it takes? Will you lead young people to Christ over there? Do you know that's where the youth room's going to be? All right. Will you, will you uh, lead Awana games in that room? Will you be a basketball coach? Will you be a soccer coach? Over the, the soccer field over there on the other side of the tractors. Will you be a soccer coach for that? Will you help us? to continue to fulfill the mission that God gave us. And let me ask you this. If you're a Christian, if you've been a Christian for a while, I want to challenge you. Sometimes I hear Christians say, oh yeah, I've done that. Oh yeah, oh yeah, this is exciting, Pastor. I was in a church one time. We had a building project. Man, this is going to be great. I did that before. And I say, well, you're doing it again. We... Are doing it, amen? I want to challenge you. If you've been a part of great things before, have you had enough of it? I haven't. If you've sacrificed before, God bless you. But would you be willing to say, God, you've used me before, so that must mean you want to use me in this place. Would you be humble and say, you know what, God has used me in places before. God has taught me some things. But I'm not going to just assume that that's how God's going to use me again. I am open. I'm excited about God's led me to this church family. There's new things that God wants to teach me. There's new areas that God wants me to grow in. I'll sign up. I'll let God work in and through me. Would you do that? There's some of you here today that have never walked with the Lord. You've never served Him. You've never been a part of a church family. For whatever reason, maybe your family didn't go to church. Maybe you've had a hard time finding a church that you connected with, but you're here now. And it's a big step for you, isn't it? To think about going to Thailand, to think about serving in, in these ways, to think about helping with parking or, or being a greeter at the front door. That's, that's intimidating, isn't it? To think about standing up in front of all of us and being baptized. All those are challenging steps. But I want to ask you, if that's what God calls you to do, would you say, God, I've never done this before in my life, but I want to be a part of what you're doing. Will you do that today? The biggest thing I want to ask you this is, will we stay focused? You know, it scares me. That's the biggest thing that scares me. Many churches start well, but they don't finish well. 
Why did God start this church? Can we keep it simple? Can we? I'm asking you, really, I want to know. Can we? Can we stay focused? I mean, if you really think about it, it's not that complicated, is it? Leading people to Christ, helping them to grow, and them getting involved in serving and just continuing that cycle. Can I share something with you, church family? Many churches get complicated. They lose their focus. They get all this politics going on. You know, I got positions, and I got whatever, and influence. And Hey, I don't know about you. My, my head's hurting just talking about it, amen? I have no desire to just do church. Is it possible? Is it too idealistic? Am I naive? I hope not, Lord, please. Can we just be God's family? It's going to take a lot of work, but I believe it's possible. How about you? Look at Nehemiah chapter 2. Let me finish up with that. If you read the rest of the story, you'll see here's what Nehemiah did. He did a little bit of prep work. Not long after that, he shared his vision with the people, what God had put on his heart, and this is what happened. This is what I want to ask us today. Is this what we're saying? He says, Then I said to them, You see the bad situation we are in that Jerusalem is desolate and its gates burned by fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem so that we will no longer be a reproach. I told them how the good hand of my God had been favorable to me and also about the king's words which he had spoken to me. Then they said, let us arise and build. So they put their hand to the good work. Is that your response today? Let us stand up and ask God, what am I to do? What role am I to play? Let's stand up and let's get to work. Would you stand together with me? If that's your affirmation this morning, stand together right now. Don't stand up if you're not sure. As we close out this morning, I said the way this is going to happen it's starting with prayer, amen? I want to ask you to do something for me this morning. In just a moment, as we sing our song of, of, of invitation, as God speaks to our heart this morning, maybe God's spoken to you about some role to, you're to play and you know it and it's time to take that step. Maybe God's spoken to you just in general about you. There's a challenge before you. There's some steps of faith you've got to take in your life and you need to respond to that. Now, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. After we start the invitation, I'm going to ask everybody that can now, I know it's crowded in here. We could have got another tent, but we're one big happy family. I mean, we need to get everybody squeezed in here this morning tight. we got the big church minivan here, all right? We're all in together. But I'm going to ask you to come down front in the aisle here. Let's get on our knees and let's ask God to have mercy on us. Amen. Before we start that, I want to ask you this. Is God speaking to your heart about something you know? You don't have to pray about it. You know. You've been praying about it. God's been speaking to you. And you need to make a decision right now today. I'm going to be available to talk with you. Maybe there's somebody here. I cannot think of a better day to give your life to Jesus Christ than out here in God's beautiful creation on a historic day like this. Today is your day of salvation. Would you receive that gift? That's what it's all about. That's why we put these tents up. That's why we figured out where to park cars. That's why these piles are going around. It's all for that, so that people can know Jesus. I found out last night 
And my grandmother passed away yesterday. But thankfully, on the last trip that we made through before we moved to New York, I stopped at my grandparents' house and I said, Hey guys, I'm not going to be seeing you as much anymore. I don't know if I'm going to get many opportunities to talk to you. I just really would like to know, do you know Jesus as your Savior? I'm so grateful that my grandmother told me that she knew the Lord. She's in heaven right now. Today is your day. Is it your day? Would we have the privilege of being a part of you coming to know Jesus? If there's something else you need to talk to somebody or pray about, I'm going to be available off to the side here. If you can just kind of leave some room, those who are praying. But I want to ask you, church family, are we a house of prayer?